keep working hard because hard work gets you a long way in this business, which I was always a hard worker, but sometimes I felt kind of stupid being the first one at class every day, stretching for an hour, but that got me a very long way. So I would just tell myself, you know what, keep doing that. Welcome to Balancing Point Podcast, where you will experience the captivating world of professional ballet. On this show, you will hear what it takes to make it in the exclusive world. Each guest will share with you their struggles, their I've made it moments, and their advice for success. And ultimately, you will learn what it is really like to live your dream. Join your host, Kimberly Falker, and today's inspiring guests as they take you on a behind-the-scenes journey into ballet. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Balancing Point Podcast, the top-ranking podcast on all things dance and ballet. And this is episode 65. And today I present to you the first interview in my series on You Asked, I Answered. And in this series, each guest you'll be hearing from comes directly from a specific request that you, the listener, sent to me. And I really love hearing from you and especially love hearing your guest requests because then I feel as if I know I'm providing you with the content that you want to hear. So today I'm kicking off this series with Katherine Morgan, who is a guest that has been requested by so many listeners. And after talking with her and meeting her, I actually really, really understand why. Catherine's journey in dance is just filled with huge successes, along with huge, devastating disappointments. But what you'll learn above all else is that Catherine knows how to make the best of all situations. And she really is a true example of perseverance and knowing how to turn lemons into lemonade. So for those of you who are listening and are unfamiliar with Catherine's story, be prepared to be inspired. Well, thank you for um, jumping in on this uh, short notice, because I think that your journey, you know, from New York City Ballet to where you are now is is going to be very, I think, telling, you know, because I think it's really important for aspiring dancers to understand that sometimes paths take a whole different turn. Absolutely. No, that's why I'm happy to share. Yes. And I think it's also so inspiring that you've taken you know, lemons and turned it into lemonade for yourself. And I think that that's also super important for young girls to understand that circumstances may not always work out exactly as you planned, but you can turn your love, your passion, your talents into something greater for the world, really. Right. So anyway, so I will just go ahead and jump in with you. And, you know, you've become quite a YouTube sensation with the young dancers, which is so fun. Uh, that's how I found out about you was from my daughter knowing about you. So, um, but before we get into where you are today, let's go back in time to your journey in dance. And you've had a wide range of experiences, both in your training and your summer intensives, and obviously your career with New York City Ballet. But why don't you share with us kind of your path to where you are or how you wound up in New York? Well, I started dancing at three, and it was something that kind of just happened. Um, I was always the kid dancing around the house, dancing to classical music, and my mom thought, well, okay, we have to do something with this, so she put me in dance class, and it's really all I've ever wanted to do, even from that young age. Um, I remember, remember seeing the New York City Ballet when I was eight, and 
after performance telling my parents that that's, that was where I was going to be. I was going to be up on that stage in that company. Um, so I basically danced in Mobile, Alabama at my ballet school, Mobile Ballet, up until I was 15. I did different summer courses and things. Um, but when I was 15, I was asked to stay at SAB. Um, and so I did two years at the School of American Ballet, year-round training, um, which was just wonderful. I absolutely loved it. Um, because it was like real ballet school, you know, all day long, every day. Um, and then when I was 17, they asked me to be an apprentice in the company. And were you still in high school at the time? I was still, I was still a junior. Oh my goodness. So you were young. I was very, very young. I still had a year of high school left, which was very interesting. Uh, trying to be in a company and do high school was, was quite a feat. But, um, when I was 17, they asked me to be an apprentice and about a week in one of the principal dancers got injured. Um, and we were about to go to Saratoga for the the annual Saratoga tour. Um, and at three days or so after she got hurt, one of the ballet masters came up to me and said, Katie, um, as you know, so-and-so was going to dance Juliet in Saratoga, and I would like you to take her place. I was an apprentice, and she was a principal. So I did not see that coming at all. And so I just probably looked like, a, a bug-eyed, you know, and just so excited. And so I, I danced Juliet in Saratoga, and that really, it was really fortunate for me because it totally jump-started jump my career. Um, so why do you think they chose you over a soloist or a core member or anybody else? You know, that I've, I'm not entirely certain. I think they always liked the, the youth of Juliet, but there are plenty of older dancers that could pull that off. I don't know. I think I just had the right look, the right style. Um, for the New York City Ballet, I I was, most people are very good contemporary and more modern dancers. They can do a lot of the new choreography. I'm very, very classical. Very classical. Do I, pretty much all of my roles were either in a dress or a tutu, <laughs> um, which was fine with me. That's what I love. It was my specialty. Um, but there are not a lot of dancers who are trained you know, to do Juliet or whatever. So I think they're much more in, in tune with Stravinsky and Balanchine and all of the kind of more uh, streamlined neoclassical type things. But I was very much the the Juliet type. That's really the only thing I can think of. And, and in fact, they trusted it with me to me uh, at 17 was, was interesting. So then the following year, Peter did, it was actually about six months later, Peter. So wait, going back to the Juliet one. Mm -hmm. So you, was your partner... Was Romeo a principal dancer? Oh, no, he was still in the core at the time. It was Tyler Ang, who is now a principal. He is now. Um, but he, I remember, you know, I love Tyler now. We were, he's one of my dearest friends, and I've, I've danced with him probably more than anyone else. But at the time, you know, he was all excited to dance with the principal, and then here comes this little, you know, goofy apprentice who's <laughs> totally clueless. <laughs> and so he wasn't too happy about that. At the start. Oh, but uh, we eventually. It, that makes sense, it eventually though. worked out okay. Um, so it was that was just great. And, you know, of course, that put me kind of between a rock and a hard place because, you know, it was my first couple of weeks in the company and I got to dance Julia. And that wasn't very popular um, with a lot of the other dancers. So I did have a problem with friends early on. But eventually, I think I kept proving myself and people saw, okay, well, maybe she... Could have, you know, it was just that was a bit, a bit difficult. Um, and then when six months later, Peter Martins did his full length Romeo and Juliet, I was cast as a Juliet there also. Um, so that was the full length, and that would have been on the 
Big stage. Big stage. Wow. Yes. So did you actually get to dance it then? I did. Wow. I did. With, you were still an apprentice. I was still, I had just gotten my core contract a month previously. And you were still in high school. I was still in high school. I was, that, <laughs> I was, crazy. I had, yeah, I was still in high school. So I, I got to do uh, the full length with Seth Orza, who is now a principal with P and, uh, with uh, Pacific Northwest Ballet, P&B. So that was, that was a wonderful experience also. Your family must have been so proud. They were, they were very, very proud. They still are. My parents are so supportive and just think it's wonderful. And they've never been the type of parents who are, you know, the stage moms. You know, they're very much like, are you sure you want to do this? Can we just do something else? <laughs> you know? But they're, you know, they've always been very supportive. And I think that in ballet, at least a little bit that I know, it seems that it's less, the parents are a little bit less stage parents. It's more something inside the 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 dancer that drives them you know you can't really hold them back they just provide the the opportunities I guess and do a lot of driving (laughs) oh yes that's that is definitely true true. so going back in time in Mobile did you do traditional school up until the point you went to School of American Ballet I did I was at a regular prep school up until the middle of ninth grade. And then um, I started transi- transitioning into the correspondence, which is basically you do online and you send the things in. And so I did that through Indiana University High School. Um, so I did that for half of freshman year and then until I graduated. Your years at SAB were 10th, 11th, and 12th? 10th. 10th and 11th, and then 12th was in the company. Right, okay. And so what about so. school there? Did you continue with correspondence, or did you go I to... Did. Okay. I did. I continued with correspondence, which I loved. For did me, I, I never liked real school. <laughs> I never liked real school. It was always just... I was always made fun of because people didn't really get the ballet thing. It was all about football. So... I, when I got to do my own correspondence thing, I was just so excited that my parents let me let me do that. When you were in School of American Ballet, was it hard for them to let you go even though they knew you were pursuing your dream at that age? Well, my actually, when I was at SAB, I did not stay in the dorms. Oh, you my, didn't. Mom, my mom moved up with me, and my dad commuted every other weekend um, because they're, they're just not the type of parents to their only child send them off to a dorm. They really wanted to still be with me, which I really appreciated, um, especially then getting hired into the company as not even a senior in high school, I was clueless. So I was very happy to um, have them there. Was it harder to make friends by not living in the dorm? Did you feel like you were missing out on some of the sisterhood, so to speak? I did a little bit. Um, My mom has always been my best friend simply because I I have had friend problems, especially when I was younger, um, because of jealousy and just things like that. And so I was just, I didn't really mind it. I was used to it by that point, so... Then where where did you guys live when you were there? I lived in an apartment right across from SAB and and now City Ballet. Um, it, it's all in the same sort of location, so I was right right there, which was great. And, and it would be nice to come home to like a home cooked meal and yes. Did your mom work or what did she do with her time? No, she was a she's a stay at home mom. She taught school before I was born, and then um, just was a stay at home mom. And so she she just was just there for me. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. That would be nice. Yeah. Again, going back in time before you wound up at SAB, you trained through Mobile Ballet, but you went, you went away to a variety of summer intensives. 
And I know that I saw in your video that um, your first one, you were quite young when you went to Joffrey Ballet in New York. Do you think that, you know, if you were giving advice to young kids that it was necessary to go at age 11 to a summer intensive or? Not, to be honest, no. I think as long as you're taking classes in the summer at 11 and 12, personally, I think, and they're good classes, I don't think you have to go away. Um, my ballet school at the time did not have any summer classes. Ah, summer okay. Um, and I had auditioned at some point when I was 11, I did get a little scholarship. So it was, you know, I went for four weeks. And basically, I learned so much, but it was just a fun summer. I think right. I mentioned that in my video, that it was still, my mom and I practically went broke seeing every show we could, doing every, I mean, it was like every Broadway show that was on at that time we saw. Um, and so it was just great. And then CPYB at 12, 12 is about the time I would start looking okay. at summer courses. Some summer courses don't take younger than 12. SAB does not take younger than 12. So I'm sure, I think it's the same way with P&B in San Francisco. I could be wrong. No, you're right. Um, I think Joffrey is the youngest. I, I think so. Or ABT I th I has a young program too. Yes, but th that's like a separate, I think it's a separate younger program. Right. Yeah, same with Boston. I think you can yeah. go younger there. Yeah, I'd say 12 is, is the So good how age. did you choose CPYB when you decided to go there? Well, I had heard about it. At that time, there were a lot of New York City Ballet dancers who had come out of CPYB. And it is very, very intense. It is not a frills summer. You know, <laughs> it is excursions summer. and stuff. No, not at all. So it was basically, that's when I had decided that this is what I wanted to do. And I wanted a work summer. I didn't want, you know, fun and, and field trips. Right. So I had heard about it through people and I went and it really, it worked. It really worked. Because I know a lot of their year round kids stay in the summer. They don't even go away. Right. I was in a class with mostly year round kids, which was also very interesting. It was very intimidating. Because these kids... They live with host families and everything, so that's quite a commitment. It's a very, it's a huge commitment. It's a huge commitment. So, and I think at that time, I don't know, because I'm not even sure if Marcia Del Weary is still there. She didn't like her kids to go away until they were old enough to really think about staying somewhere. She wanted to keep them all together and train them, which I think is great. But um, that's why we, the year-round kids always take the, the summer course. So then, the next year, uh, you went to SAB for the first time. Yes, I did. Um, I I was very happy to receive a full scholarship at my audition. So I was that was just wonderful. And as I said in the summer course video, it's an entirely different summer for the younger groups. Um, I just remember, you know, being in the dorm. It was my first time in the dorm and all the activities and, and just I was in level two, you know. The pressure isn't high then. Oh, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, because my daughter went there last year at 13 and it, it was a, there was no stress on being asked or anything because she wasn't old enough anyway. So it feels different, I think. I believe unless you are a local New Yorker or New Jersey, they do not even bother asking you if you're not at least 14 or 15. Yeah, going into high school, I think yeah. is what it is, right? Yeah, because otherwise, if you're not in high school, where do you go to school? Exactly. So I, I, I do know what you mean. It, it was a, just a lovely summer of experiencing the city and I think it's also wonderful to get a feel for whether or not that's a environment that feeds you because if not it's a good thing to know when you're younger exactly. right absolutely I just remember being young and in the lower levels and seeing all the 
older girls walk around, you know, stressed and, and thinking and, you know, so it is it's absolutely different. But it's also good to see, again, if you don't like the school, if this is maybe not the company for you. Or even the city, like if the city freaks you out, you know, it's like you want right. to know that before you, you commit. Know ahead of time, yes. <laughs> well, then you might like alter your path a little to maybe like a Pacific Northwest, you know, if you want more nature in an environment of, of calm, you might not choose New York City if you don't feel And it. I cannot tell you how many people have told me how happy they are at PNB these days. Peter Bowl is fantastic. Uh, he is. The dancers are fantastic. So it's, it's, he's really brought it, that company up. So that's, it's almost like now the city ballet of the West Coast. I think so, yeah. yeah. And in fact, that was one of um, my daughter's favorite auditions. So going back, so you went to SAB when you were 12, and then the next year, CPYB. And then on the video, you mentioned you went to Houston. How did you happen to choose Houston versus any of the other places? Well, I, I you know, I can't even remember. Um, I remember wanting something different, and I didn't want to go to S, back to SAB yet. Um, and somehow, when we were researching, my mom came across Houston Ballet. It looked fantastic. So I auditioned and went, and I have to tell you, it was my favorite summer program. Yeah, I've heard wonderful things. I've interviewed a couple people that are in the company there, but also. I actually had a terrible audition for the Houston Ballet Summer Program. There were probably 60 of us in there, and I didn't even think that they saw me, not once. So I thought, okay, well, that's kind of a bust. And then I got my letter, and they put me in level seven, which that was I can't believe I was in level seven because I shouldn't have been in level seven. It was really, really hard, but I have never worked so hard in my life. And I will recommend Houston ballet to anybody who wants a good summer. So it was just great. Now, were you worried if your goal was to be a part of New York city ballet or to stay your own at SAB, were you worried that by not going back when you were accepted in that they might write you off? Slightly. Um, to be honest, I would be more worried about it these days for some reason. The back then, because it was that was about ten, eleven years ago. Um, it wasn't such a big deal. I remember the following year when I auditioned for SAB again and went at fifteen. The teacher Katrina Killian, who did my audition, came up to me. She said, "We looked for you. We missed you. We really want you back." So it wasn't. It wasn't like, "Oh well, you didn't come back." I mean, they actually told me that they missed me. So nowadays, I I think it might be different. I don't really know, um, but it wasn't actually a problem for me. And I got it because the Houston Ballet is based a little more classical style, Russian, and, and sort of the English style. Completely different than Balanchine. So it was beneficial for me to have different training um, that summer. So as far as audition advice for summer intensives, I know there's different schools of thought. Some people fly to locations that are supposedly smaller. Some people fly to locations to hopefully be in front of a different adjudicator or or teacher and then you know I know that something that's competitive like School of American Ballet the theory is to try and hit it right away before they fill up do you have thoughts on any of that absolutely for SAB more than any other school do it early because there are several auditions by March that they have taken so many people they can't take anymore even if they're good there's no there's no dorm space so I would hit SAB no matter what city you're in hit it early 
Um, for any other thing, I mean, it doesn't really matter. I auditioned one year for San Francisco. It was the year I went to Houston, but I auditioned for San Francisco, the very last audition in San Francisco, and I still got it. I didn't actually go. So there was space. But, you know, and Houston, I auditioned in Houston. So I don't think it that matters. SAB is the one, though, that you want to hit early um, because they take a lot of people and you will miss out because now they're also in, auditioning internationally. So there, you you really need to audition early. They did an audition here in Mobile a couple of years ago, and I was down here at the time, and I watched. And the teacher said to me, she said, "I don't know why I'm here. I can't take anybody. That we don't have any space." So yeah you, yeah, you do hear that. So that's interesting that you heard it firsthand. And also, I've heard like with scholarships that you want to hit auditions earlier because absolutely, absolutely, for the ones that you care about most, I guess. What about video auditions? Have you heard anything or do you have thoughts on that? I haven't that? really heard anything much about it. I think if you're obviously an international student, it might work if you're trying to go to an international school. Otherwise, I would be there in person. And I think it's just always a, a better idea. And nowadays, audition tours are so extensive that there will there will be a city near you. I mean, SAB, PNB, they go everywhere. So, you know, it might be a couple hour drive, but I would definitely be there in person. So then when the year after Houston, did you make kind of a conscientious decision that this is the year I'm going to go for? Like, did you kind of have like a mental strategy? Absolutely. My parents and I actually sat down in about after Houston Ballet that September. And we all decided that the following year I was going to try and stay at the school. Because with New York City Ballet, the, the thing is you have to attend the school if you want to be in the company. It's the only company now that does that. Um, and so I knew that's what I wanted to do. So we made a plan that I was going to go to the summer course and then do everything I could to get asked uh, to stay. And what was that? Like those that, um, you know, are interested in saying you're around anywhere what what did you do that maybe helped you be asked or not too much I just really made sure that I worked hard and and showed them that I wanted to be there I didn't even sign up on a list or anything you know it used to be a long time ago at SAB that if you wanted to stay for the year you would sign up to be looked at I don't believe that's the case anymore it was not the case. no they do have it now yeah. do they have it I because I don't remember actually putting my name on a list that summer they didn't do it and so I just really wanted to be there, and I really worked hard. I made sure I knew the style. I really tried to work on the balancing style because it's completely different. Did you prepare before going in the summer for that? Not a lot, but again, I just made sure I was really in shape and, and really showed my interest and always was in class on time, always looked presentable, and they asked me to stay week one. So oh, That's great. Yeah, I think that your video was super great advice on all of it, you know, on your attitude and how you're being mem memorable because, you know, that word is easy to say, but a lot of kids don't really understand that, but you explained it really well. And I think that that's very important, especially the little things that these teenagers that have the angst don't walk up and say, thank you. And leave. Yeah. <laughs> and make eye contact. Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah. You know, as I say, you, you want to be a little sparkly. You don't want to just be flat. And it's it's easy to say, but hard to do because, you know, everybody's got the braces or the pimples or whatever it is. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and as I said in the video, you don't have to be overly obnoxious about it, but you do have to show them that you want to be there. That's key. And it's it's like anything, even, 
even adults want to be wanted, you know, and a program wants to be wanted. So if they think that you want it, right. it makes them feel better about you could be the den- best dancer in the world, but if your attitude looks like you don't really care, then Absolutely. it yeah. does matter. It does matter a lot, a lot. So your career, once you were asked to stay, really moved quickly after that. You could have never envisioned that, huh? No, not at all. I'll be honest. It, I was on the fast track. I really was. And I was didn't really realize it at the time. Um, but I look back on it, and I am so grateful for the, for the career I had. I was at New York City Ballet only five years, danced on the stage for five years. And I did more principal roles than a lot of people do in a lifetime. So... Um, I, I only had a five-year career, and then I got six. So, so again, going back, what do you think it was about you that that you were on that fast track versus anybody else? I don't, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I think because there's there, everybody in New York City Ballet is an incredible dancer. I think my my thing was that I was different. I was much more. My strength is the artistry. I'm not a technician. I'm not a turner. I'm not a jumper. And most of the dancers at New York City Ballet are. They're very strong technically. And then, again, like I said, they can do all the leotard ballets. And also, I never did a leotard ballet. That was not my thing. Um, I might have done one or two in the core, but as far as principal roles go, I think I literally wore a dress or a tutu every time. <laughs> so, you know, I think, and I was perfectly happy with that. I loved every role, every role that I danced, I loved. Because um, a lot of the people there like doing all of that, and they that's their strength. But for me, I was like, I love watching those ballets, but they I could not really have, have done them well. I, you know, give me a tutu and a dress and I'm happy. So I think it was that I was artistry based. I, I don't know for certain. I, you know, again, I don't think I'm all that wonderful. But you know. So was your, is your height kind of moldable? Like, are you a, a size and height and everything that can fit into a lot of different? Absolutely. Because I'm five foot four, which is actually short, but I, I have really long feet. So when I go up on point, I grow about a foot. I'm about, I'm about almost six feet when I stand on point. So always pair me with really tall partners. So then when I'm actually on point, we're almost the same height. Um, and I have really long arms and legs. So I can look taller, even though I'm short. So then probably because of your height, you could also dance more petite if you needed to. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Well, I could see that. They, they measure me once. I'm five foot four with a five, ten and a half wingspan. So <laughs> it's, That's they, hilarious. Yeah, got to figure this out. So I think it's, it's proportions that I can look taller, but I'm actually short. That's interesting. So. Yeah, because that's another thing that I've heard from a lot of guests that sometimes it's something that is out of your control, you know either from a physicality or you just happen to be in the right place at the right time when they needed something. Absolutely. There are, there are short roles and tall roles. Um, for example, Aurora is always short at City Ballet. They're all shorter. It's, it's like probably five, seven and under. And most of the lilac fairies were taller. Incredible, incredible taller dancers would never have danced Aurora. Um, Kind of like, you know, like in Ruby's, there's the tall girl or, you know, the short, the potted girl is, is short. So it just depends. I mean, even if, even in things like Stars and Stripes, there's a tall girl regiment and there's a short girl regiment. It's just, there's, there's the small and tall, as they call them. So everything is height-based. Yeah. So, yeah, so I guess you could kind of play into either one a little. Yes. 
did you ever, because of the fast track, did you ever kind of suffer from the imposter syndrome? Like, why me? What am I doing? This is, you know, have negative self-talk that affected you? All the time. All the time. I would constantly think, what what am I doing? Why? I, I was worried about having to prove myself a little bit, thinking like one day they're going to wake up and realize, why did we choose her? <laughs> and with my peers, too. Um, it was, I always felt like I needed to, to prove myself getting those roles that early, especially doing the first Saratoga as Juliet. I mean, I hadn't even been in the company a month and they threw that at me, which I was so thrilled to do. But at the same time, I was constantly worried about being good, being good enough. It wasn't until I got promoted to soloist that I finally felt like, okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm a dancer with the New York city ballet who can actually do something. So how long were you? Okay. You were an apprentice. And then tell me about how you found out you were going to be asked to be in the Corps. I was an apprentice for six months. Um, usually it's a year. Some people get their contracts early. If you have the, the, the thing is, if you do so many ballets in a season, if I think it's nine is the, the thing. If you are cast in nine different parts in the season, you get your contract automatically. Um, so I got my, my Corps contract on Valentine's Day. Um, Valentine's Day, I did my ninth ballet with uh, Brittany Pollock, also who is now a soloist. She and I got our core contracts together um, on Valentine's Day, so that was really. How'd fun. you guys find out? We were on stage in the middle of a rehearsal, and Peter stopped the rehearsal and he came up and shook our hands and congratulated us. This, and then we continued on. It was kind of bizarre. Um, <laughs> so, and then I was promoted to soloist. That was very interesting because I had a huge season. That's, there was a spring season, I believe it was of 2009. And how long had you been in the Corps at that point? I had been in the Corps probably two year, three years. I think I was in the Corps for three years. Um, and at the end of, there was a spring season when I was 20, um, is when Peter, it was bad, bad economic time, and he f had to get rid of 11 people. And that was really, really, really tough. So all nobody was expecting a promotion. And so then that October, we had gone. And so the people he got rid of, were they all in the Corps or from all They were all ranks? in the Corps. They were all in the Corps. Okay, gosh. How it scary. was very bizarre. And so people were saying that he's not going to promote anybody, he's not going to promote anybody. So then that October, we had just gone to Japan and came back and I got a call from Peter's assistant that said, hi, Katie, Peter would like to talk to you in his office. Oh no, were you thinking the worst? Yeah, because she was kind of, they liked to trick you a little bit. So she was, she was kind of like, he'd like to talk to you as soon as possible. And I thought, uh oh, what'd I do? You know, cause he had just let go of these people a couple months ago. It was just kind of bizarre. So I go to his office and his secretary is just glaring at me. Like, you better go in. You know, she was completely fooling me, but I, I bought it. And so he went in and he was like, sit down. And I thought, oh, here we go. Here we go. I'm you like immediately thinking of what's yeah. your plan B. Yeah, exactly. And he said, I just want you to know I'm so thrilled at how you've been dancing and how hard you work. And I'm promoting you soloist. Oh and I was like, oh, my gosh, wait. <laughs> that's not what I again. <laughs> yeah, and then I came out and his assistant was laughing. So. Oh, that's horrible. He had me. <laughs> so, anyway, but it was wonderful. And then I. That next year was a huge year for me. I danced Juliet. I debuted as Aurora. Um, a huge, huge year, and then I got sick. So I was only really a soloist dancing on the stage for one year. All right. So that let's transition into you getting sick. That, From what I read is that happened over the summer. Yes. Um, but had I, you been feeling it prior to that? Spring season of, I believe it was 2010, 
we were doing, Peter was doing a new ballet on me and a few other dancers. And I, we were there eight hours a day rehearsing all day long. And I started putting on weight and I wasn't eating. I was like, barely had time to eat. Um, and didn't make it made any sense at all. My hair started falling out. I was so, so tired. I could barely get through the day. And I remember them talking to me saying, Katie, you know, you're, you're putting on weight. What's, what's happening? And I, I didn't have an answer for them. I said, I'm here eight hours a day. I'm not eating anything. So not eating enough to be draining weight this rapidly. So we were in Saratoga after that spring season and it just, everything just kept escalating. It was horrible. I had terrible migraines. I couldn't even get out of bed. Um, I was so depressed, didn't want to see anybody. So I went into the office and I said, I need to leave and go see a doctor because this is just, this is horrible. Um, and so they tested me for mono. Everybody thought it was mono. Um, but it ended up being that my thyroid was basically not functioning, underactive. Um, and so that's when I started treatment for that. Uh, underactive thyroid is very, very tricky and it takes so long to regulate. Um, so it was a couple of years now before it's finally started to be regulated. Um, I've just been well the last couple of months. Wow. That was in July and then at the end of the Saratoga or in the middle of it is when you said, I've, I just have to leave or what happened? No, I was in the company for another two years. I was still in the company. I did not perform, but I rehearsed ballets. I was, I took class. They great. I was so grateful that they continued to pay me. I was still on the roster, but it was in 2012 that I, the end of 2012 that I went in, I was cast as Hermia in a Midsummer Night's Dream. And Peter came to my rehearsal. I was, there's a big solo that she does. And he came to my rehearsal and he just sat there and we went to talk afterwards and he says, how are you feeling about this? And I just broke down. I mean, I was still so huge and just so sick and it just wasn't working. And I said, Peter, I need to break my contract so I don't feel like I'm tied back here um, and feel like I owe the company something because I still, the whole time they were paying me for those two years that I didn't dance on the stage, I still danced, but not on the stage. They were paying me and I was rehearsing, but I still felt like I owed them something. So that's why I said, I need to break this contract. I need to stop. I need to go get well and regroup. Um, and so that's why I left. So what did he say to that? He thought, he said, I knew you were smart. <laughs> so yeah, he said, I knew you were smart. He said, you know, I want the best for you. He said, if, if it was up to me, I'd just keep you around and pay you. But that's not realistic. Yeah, you won't get healthier exactly. that way. Um, so he, but, and also at that time, the board was, was breathing down his neck. They were not happy that I was still around and rehearsing, but not performing. So at that time, was your mom still living in the city or had yes. she gone? No, she, she had gone for a few years, but when I was sick, she came back. I couldn't have done it without her there. It was. So what were you guys doing to try and figure it out? You, you had been diagnosed, but what was the treatment for you at that I, point? I was seeing about four doctors at the time here in Alabama. I kept flying back and forth because my doctors here took me seriously. A lot of the doctors I saw took one look at, look at me and said, you don't look fat. And I thought, well, maybe not as a regular person, but as a ballerina, I've put on 35 pounds. <laughs> I'm huge for what I usually look like. Um, and I had never had this kind of weight thing before. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a what the public feels. It's a fat for you thing. Exactly. So It's I'm, not even just a ballerina. Like if you had always been a yeah. certain size, it's yeah. how you are different than what you were. And I just remember some of the doctors just basically laughing in my face until I found one here who is just the best and he took me seriously and he has 
kept up with me and not just like with my medical thing. He has worked on my stress levels and my mental sort of state. So he is, uh, he is just the best. We finally have gotten it regulated as of about two or three months ago. Is that all medication based or nutrition too? Nutrition too. I just, there are a couple of things I can't eat like soy and uh, certain vegetables that mess up, mess up your thyroid. Other than that, there's not, it's just eat healthy. Like I always have. And they don't take your thyroid out. No, not for me. Some people they do. But for me, um, basically, I ha- my body was attacking my thyroid. So for two years, we were kept giving this, get, kept giving it medicine, but it would attack the medicine. It was finally when we realized that it was doing that, that my doctor put me on a second drug that converts the first drug into something I can use that it finally worked. Um, so basically, for two years, I was depressed and fat and miserable. Was that when you were still? I was still in the company. Yeah. Okay. And it wasn't until I broke all ties and came home and got better that it really worked. Wow. Because that would be really hard as that has been your identity. And then all of a sudden you right. come home and then what do you do with your identity at that point? Yeah. Yeah. It was, I didn't know what to do. I had no idea because ballet had been my whole life, especially since I was thrown into it as like a junior in high school. I had nothing else. So this has really taught me how to actually be a person. Um, At the time it was horrible. Now I see it as one of the best things that could have ever happened to me because I was just so upset at City Ballet, not because of City Ballet really, but because I was just, for two years I kept being cast and had to pull out, being cast and pull out and not losing any weight. And not being able to get through a rehearsal day. And so finally... um, Well, you weren't in and you weren't out and you weren't yourself. Exactly. Exactly. So do you think that there were signs of this illness happening long before? Absolutely. That I never never saw. Um, I remember about a year before, our hair... I don't even, not hairdresser, but the guy who does like all the headpieces and, and sometimes if you have a principal role, he'll do your hair. Uh, it was about a year before I, I got sick. I was dancing Juliet and I went to him to get the braids done and everything. And he said, what happened to your hair? And he said, you've lost about half your hair. And it never really occurred to me because I thought, you know, buns and headpieces and stress and we're in buns all day long and French twist, you know, it was just a lot of stress on your hair. But he said to me, I have no hair to braid. I have no hair to braid. And that's when I thought, okay, this is not natural for me to be losing that much hair. Um, the weight was sort of steady, very, very slight. I mean, I had been like maybe gained a couple of pounds that year, but then right when I got sick, it just piled. So as far as so like feeling tired or just not feeling quite right, we're looking back on it now? Yeah, I my muscles would kind of give out a little bit. I remember doing Sleeping Beauty and not and feeling like, it was the most impossible thing in the world, which is actually, it's hard, but you can get through it. Um, and I remember my muscles feeling like they were disintegrating during the Rose Adagio, especially. Um, I had no feeling in my legs, which I talked to some other dancers about it, and they were like, no, I get tired, but my legs don't feel like they're numb. And my legs literally felt numb because your thyroid affects everything. So I don't know how I did Sleeping Beauty with this. I, yeah, I don't know. Is there any, like, can you think that, it was too much stress that started this happening or this was going to happen anyway. You know what I mean? I don't know. Sometimes it is hereditary. I am adopted, so I don't have any medical records. Um, But I think the stress was a lot of it um, because I was put in a lot of stress very early on. That's right. And so 
you know, I think that had a lot to do with it. But, you know, who knows? Right. We still haven't quite figured that out. So you come, you came back home, it was two years ago now? About a year and a half, A year and a half, okay. And so since you've been home, what, what have you been doing as far as to get better and also with dance? Aside from the medical thing, I have there, my school here, Mobile Ballet, has a, has a company. And so I've been dancing with them for the last couple of years. I've done Nutcracker, Swan Lake. I did a full-length Swan Lake, very sick. I don't know how they allowed me to do that, but they did. Do you think that was the best thing for you, or do you think it would have been better not to? No, I needed it. Okay. I needed it because it was, I was able to perform without all of the judgment. Um, I was able to really honestly do a Swan Lake without feeling like half of New York was there, the critics were there, Peter was there. Um, I learned to love dancing again because when I left the company, I, I didn't even want to go to class. It was horrible because I was so sick. Um, so I really have learned how to love dancing again. And I people think, have you been da- Yes, I have been dancing, not at City Ballet, but I have been in class and performing and uh, just on a not as stressful level. Right. So you're able to slow down and listen to your symptoms as they come or go. Absolutely. And then what's the prognosis for for this? Is it the rest of your life you're going to have to figure out how to regulate it? or Sort of. I mean, now where I'm on the good track that we have regulated, that I just have to watch it. And if I just keep taking my medicine, it should be fine. I will, again, have to have it occasionally go in for a blood test and see where it is. But other than that, um, just take my medicine. I'll be fine. My weight is coming off. My hair is growing back. Um, I'm getting strong again. I can actually feel all my muscles. Uh, so that's really, really good. And people have people literally think I'm an idiot for still fighting to try and get back on the stage. But I am, I am still going to, to try and go back professionally. I really am. Well, I think that, I think you will because I think that that there's something in that emotion and that focus and that feeling and I think that um it's there I mean the foundation is there that you've learned yeah and thankfully I am still young enough to be able to to do it um if I if I was like 35 and this was happening forget it but the fact that I'm 25 is is huge and when you left did Peter say come back and talk to me when you're healthy or how was it left this is I haven't really spoken about but I'm glad we're doing this because I want to be honest with the dancers. Again, I love being honest with younger dancers because I need them to know that it's not once you make it, it you don't have it. You know, it's just, it's everybody has horrible things they go through. When I left, Peter said to me, when you're ready, email me. We'll talk, blah, blah, blah. I'd love to have you back. Just go home, get us out of your system, get better, and then we'll have you back. So I did. I emailed him and I said, Peter, I'd love, I didn't ask for a contract. I didn't ask for my spot back. I said, I'd love to set up a meeting. You told me to email you. I've been dancing at home, so I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm ready to set up a meeting. And he said no. Um, he said, I'm very, very sorry, but I cannot take you back. Have a wonderful future. And that was it. That was not, <laughs> that was not good. Um, you know, Peter was the one, I will say, that fought for me harder than anybody. He believed in me more than anybody. He gave me roles, some roles that I probably didn't deserve. He gave me Juliet. He get, you know, gave me things when I was very, very young, and he really fought for me. So I think it wasn't just him. I think it was the board. I think it was the rest of the ballet masters. I don't know that for sure. Um, right. The thing that bothered me was that it was said in an email and that I didn't get a meeting. Um, and him to tell me this face to face and explain himself. It was kind of like, nope, goodbye. And I just thought after all of that, 
for him to just end it in an email, that's what upset me the most. Um, but it has turned out to be a gift because I am going to audition for more classical-based companies. Once I'm fully back in shape, um, I will be be auditioning. I have a lot of connections in different places, and so I'm, I am looking for a more classical rep, a little less, you know, intense. <laughs> um, and it turned out to be a blessing because it made the decision for me. I was sort of thinking about it in the back of my brain before I emailed him, but once I got that email, it was like, okay, that's that's where I need to go. So it ended up being a, a huge gift. That's interesting. So what are classical or classically based companies? Europe. Oh, in Europe. Okay. They're, they're very much more classical based. Uh, so I'm looking throughout Europe. I'm, I won't be planning to go to Russia. <laughs> People say, oh, you want to go audition for Russia? No. Um, it will be Europe. I'm possibly looking into PNB um, and maybe San Francisco, but I'm, I'm really just going to aim for the moon and, and try and go over there and see what happens. Um, because through dancers from City Ballet, I do have some connections over there. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. So when you left and it kind of happened in the way that it did, do you, did you wind up um, still keeping in touch with all of your friends from New York City Ballet? Or how'd that work out? Here and there. I mean, when I was not well, I kind of kept to myself. Um, I did have a couple of friends that really kept up with me. But they were all busy. And they're all doing their own thing. And... I know how busy it gets when you're in the company. So then when I left, I really didn't keep up with most of them. Um, to be honest, I wasn't really wonderful friends with a lot of them anyway, simply just because of how I got into the company and the fact that I was on the fast track is, is a difficult place to be. Um, I have kept up with a few, but to be honest, it's really just I've had to focus on myself. So sometimes talking to them or seeing them makes it hard you know, thinking about they're dancing and I'm not. So that was kind of a difficult thing. Wow. But so let's transition. You're now doing um, YouTube videos. And tell me about how that started and, and kind of the thought behind it. This actually all started a couple of years ago on Facebook. I decided one day to unfriend anybody that I didn't know because I had a lot of people I had no idea who they were. So when I started doing that, then I started getting a lot of subscribers on Facebook. And it just it just escalated like I could not believe. I have 86,000 followers on Facebook. Okay, wait. I'm confused. So you defriended people and then what are they? They, re- they, they followed me. You know, there's this new thing on personal pages now where you can follow okay. someone without actually being their friend. I'm, I'm right. Sure how so, so it was more like a business page exactly. like where they liked you. Exactly. Okay. So I started doing notes on Facebook for the younger dancers. I thought, Oh, well, I'll just, you know, do a couple of notes here and there point shoes, maybe your technique just, just for them. They've, they've asked me some questions, so I'll do that. So then from there I started a blog because that sort of blew up. And so I thought, well, I need to have this all in one place rather than just on Facebook and I can add photos and all that kind of thing. So I started my blog, um, if the point shoe fits.com. And then from there, people were requesting videos. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do the YouTube channel. It's more personal. I can get more into it. Um, the makeup had always been really fun for me, so I added that in there. So it's just it's kind of just all snowballed into that. Um, and I love doing the YouTube channel. I, I just try and think about my 11, 12, 13-year-old self. And if my, what would you want to learn? Yeah, exactly. If a professional dancer from the New York City Ballet had done that, what, what would I want to learn? So that's kind of where I'm going with this. 
So then when you do your um, makeup tutorials for the, you know, the various different roles, how do you know how to do it? How have you learned how to do that? I learned how to do makeup when I first joined the New York City Ballet. We had a fantastic makeup artist named Michael Abaddon, who is the nephew of, of Richard Abaddon, the famous photographer. And he was our makeup artist. And when I was not performing in Saratoga, because I only performed a couple of shows of Juliet, and I think I did the core of Swan Lake four times or something. The rest of that summer, I spent in the makeup room learning how to do it, because I was always fascinated by makeup, and I loved it. Um, so he just basically taught me. He, he taught every night, performing or not, I'd go in there and learn. And from there, it just turned into a love of doing it. Um, and when he, he unfortunately left the company, I was devastated. But thankfully, I had that knowledge um, to keep doing it. And so people had always comment, commented on it and loved, it, loved the way I did it. So I don't know. It was kind of – I was sort of known for my makeup. Um, it was one of the things I was known for. Um, and so I just – you know, thought, well, I can do tutorials and makeup tutorials are huge on YouTube. Just massive. They are. Yeah. Oh my goodness. There's so many. So I thought, well, I can bring ballet tutorials to the party. And so that's what I did. So that's just great. Well, at this point of the interview, I'm going to ask you, um, the three questions I ask of all my guests. And the first one is if you could go back in time to your 13 year old self, with the wisdom, confidence, and lessons you've learned along the way, what advice would you give to yourself? I would probably first say that it's not a race. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting because I was on the fast track, and then boom, I was like completely thrown off the grid being sick. So everybody's path is different. Do not compare yourself and think you have to be a whatever by whenever because they were. So everybody's path is different. Um, everybody looks different you know everybody's going to have different legs and different feet and all of that so you need to be happy with what you have katie um and um, <laughs> just keep working hard because war hard work gets you a long way in this business which i was always a hard worker but sometimes i felt kind of stupid being the first one at class every day stretching for an hour but that got me a very long way so i would just tell myself you know what keep doing that and then with that same wisdom, confidence, and lessons learned, what would be your advice to aspiring dancers today? I think the, the same thing. I think everybody has these, well, actually, you know what? Don't have your plan all set out in your mind because it will not go according to plan. Um, you know, don't think I'm going to be a principal with so-and-so by this time. And, you know, it's every, but again, everybody's path is different. That is my big thing. Um, Every dancer has their ups and downs, so it's not all wine and roses. Um, and and just keep loving it, because if you don't love it, you'll never survive. You have to love it in this business. It's so hard. It's so difficult. It's it, you know, You're on stage about 10% of the time being a dancer. The rest of it is in the studio, hard work. So you have to love it to, to keep going. That's good advice. And then finally, do you have a favorite motivational quote? that you'd like to share? Hmm, you know, I, my dad once said to me, he said, you know, the thing I love about you is that you're quietly excellent. Um, you're not ever up in everybody's face and look at me, look at me. You just do what you do quietly and you stand out. And so that's how I've always tried to be. I'm, I'm not, you know, now I am putting myself on YouTube, but it, I, I was never the flashy one. So I just did what I did and tried to be 
quietly excellent. So that's what he always would tell me. So I like that. I like that too. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and I love what you're doing on YouTube. I think that uh, you're, you're definitely making an impact on the girls oh, that are I'm so glad 14, 15, 13. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I'm sure that your makeup tutorial will be in the dressing room sitting there to watch it while they're doing <laughs> <Right>. their face. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope so. We'll see. <laughs> and definitely I love the summer intensive one that was super good. Yeah. Again, you know, I just try and think about what would I have wanted. You know, my favorite dancer was always Jennifer Ringer. So what if Jennifer Ringer could have told me when I was that age, what did I want to learn from her? So Jennifer, the last couple of years, was not a mentor because she's very similar in age to me, but she was so helpful and such a friend to me. I, I do want to say that about Jennifer. She's one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. She had her own struggles, and so she was just very generous in, in sharing with me and got me through a couple of years that I was ready to throw in a towel. So she was, she's, wonder, she's a wonderful person. So, Well, I mean, those people make a difference in your life, and I think that it's nice when you're vulnerable when somebody reaches out like that. Right, Absolutely. Well, thank you, and I look forward to uh, keeping in touch. Me too. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And thanks once again for tuning in to Balancing Point Podcast. I'm really looking forward to sharing with you my interviews in this series called You Asked, I Answered. And I really think you're going to like some of the guests that I have coming up. In fact, I actually have a few of the very first ever on this podcast live interviews that I did when I was in New York City. So those are going to be fun to share with you. So be sure to tune in on Monday when I will be sharing with you a fully packed week of interviews. And each of them came from your requests. And you'll also want to check out my show notes page at balancingpoint.com where you will find all of the links to Catherine's videos and each of her social media sites. She really has a ton of great um, things through her blog and her YouTube channel and everywhere else. So definitely go to my show notes page, go under podcast show notes, scroll down to Catherine, link on that, and you'll find all the information that you need to find about her. So until next time, have a great day.